Perspectives. Perspectives is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women who are leading busy and successful lives. And it's my feeling that in this world that is 24 seven, always on, people racing around, trying to look terrific, in some cases, you know, photograph their entire lives on Instagram and be fantastic. There's so much pressure on women. It's a very exciting time, but it's a really overwhelming time. And these conversations are meant to introduce you to some truly spectacular women who have figured out their own versions of happy and successful lives that will hopefully inspire you and we can have some fun along the way. So with that, Today, I'm talking with my friend, Lisa Clooney, who is the co-founder and CEO of Joan, which is a holding company that includes an advertising agency, Joan Creative, as well as a number of other very successful things, which we'll talk about now. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Was that a very long <laughs> introduction? Know, great. <laughs> well, well, I'd like to just jump in a little bit and talk about Joan the holding company, mm -hmm. Joan Creative, Damn Joan. Um, tell me a little bit about the company and a little bit about what it's like to be a female founder. Right. Okay. So Joan is a combination of a couple companies, as you mentioned. It um, encompasses an advertising agency, Joan Creative, Damn Joan, which is an uh, intellectual property brand that is um, started with a publishing bent, but is also set to release several products throughout the year. Um, Joan Studios, which is a production company. And then we have a foundation called the Joan Foundation for Diversity. Um, and so it's, a, it's an ideas company, a company with creativity at its core that believes in um, in uh, helping brands grow, but also helping build the next generation of content for and by women. So that is that. It's a little bit about Joan. You know, the advertising industry overall has not had a ton of female-run businesses um, or founded, I should say. There's a lot yeah. of women in C-level jobs now. Thank the Lord for that. But um, over the years, not a lot of founders. Um, Joan has been founded by two women, myself and my partner, Jamie Robinson. Um, and, you know, starting a business without a lot of role models is is interesting. You know, you have a lot of examples of founders that you can look to that have um, built really incredible businesses, but very few that you can look at and say, okay, that's that's a model for me because they're also a mother or they're also, you know, um, leading with a different set of skills or a different set of um uh, attributes for themselves. Mm -hmm. So some of this is about building a little bit of a narrative about what it is to be a female founder in this industry, um, which is a different kind of thing too. So you're trying to build this business, but you're also trying to set set a, 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 um, a an example for so many other women that you hope to to take this on themselves. Well, and I know one of the things that was a big conversa conversation with you and Jamie mm -hmm. Robinson when you were starting mm -hmm. was, do we push, do we embrace the fact that we're women mm -hmm. or do we, you know, we're really smart, we're really smart people. Yeah. What does it matter if we're women or not? Right. In this, I happen to think that it's important that you're women. Mm -hmm. That's not why you're doing what you're doing. But it, but it's part of, it's it's part of what helps you lead the way you do. 
Do you agree with that? I 100% agree with that. And it's, it's interesting because um, in this industry, there are several kinds of agencies, right? And there's typically the general market agencies and then there's specialty companies. We've seen um, multicultural agencies, agencies that are um, specializing particularly in brands that want to speak to women, et cetera. So what's important for us is that we are, um, that we are leaning into our strengths as women, um, but we're also doing work for a general audience, right? Yeah. We are, just as it has been for many, many years, building just an incredible agency that does lots of different kinds of work for lots of different kinds of clients. And it's interesting because, you know, businesses are started every day and most of them are started by um, a group of founders that are generally men. The assumption isn't that they're doing a specialty company for men's products and things, right. but for Jamie and I, it was something that we we sort of had to set people right on from the very beginning. Oh, so you're two female founders, so you're going to be doing a specialty company for women. It's like, no, we're doing a, a great advertising right. agency for great global brands. Not just tampons. Not just tampons. <laughs> right. Although, I mean, I have nothing, nothing wrong with tampons. Yes, exactly. So... One of the things that always impresses me so much about you, um, well, there's so many things, your enthusiasm and your infectious <laughs> nature. But in the context of what I want to talk about is that you've done so many things. Mm -hmm. And I have interviewed so many women mm -hmm. and many of them say, oh, well, an important thing is never to operate out of fear. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. And I try to remind myself mm -hmm. of that a lot. But at the same time, it's very difficult to do. You've had a number of big roles mm -hmm. at advertising agencies. Mm -hmm. You've, In the middle of all of that, you've stepped out of advertising agencies and been you know, started several companies. Mm -hmm. You went to Parsons in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. You launched a fashion line, mm -hmm. all before Joan. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about not being fearful and also how have you navigated doing all of this? It's mm -hmm. a great question. Um, very early on, I realized that I needed, in order to understand how I felt about the work that I was doing, I needed to have lots of different experiences. And it was funny because I was raised in, in a family who believed that you should stay for a very long time at one company. Mm -hmm. um, and over time, I began to realize that I have a lot to learn, and I have a lot to learn from different perspectives, not just one perspective. Um, so that gave me some confidence to try different things. Um, and then over time, I really began to listen to my own um, sort of point of view even more strongly, you know, and, and thinking about even in everything that I was working on, well, what do you think this should be? And bringing that perspective to the company. So, um, you know... I really believe that to follow your intuition is the right move in business. It's it's a way that you can bring together your your skills, but also the real you, you mm -hmm. know. And if you can listen to those things and not be afraid of exploring your curiosities, you will enrich what you have to bring at the end of the day. So I, I mean, I still think that. Um, you know, even though I moved a little bit around and tried different things, there was fear in that. It's just about whether or not you listen to it and let it paralyze you or you realize that sometimes fear is a sign of growth and a sign of satisfying a curiosity that is somewhere very important to you. Do you think that women especially have a problem following their intuition and their inner voice that maybe they hear it and they think, well, 
Maybe not. I think intuition for women is a complex thing because sometimes it's so powerful and women mm -hmm. have great access to it. Like in a room that has all different kinds of personalities in it, the intuitive can really know how to navigate that room. And many times those qualities are feminine qualities, um, whether you're a man, man or, or a woman. woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that, um, you know, we, I can speak for my Gen X generation. Um, there's been a lot of coaching through the years about how to be a kind of a good girl. And a lot of that to me has come through um, pleasing other people mm -hmm. and being what people need in the moment and, and you know, not necessarily putting yourself in a position to, to decide. Um, and so I think some of that is overcoming, overcoming the narrative and trying to listen to what you really want and what you really believe that I think, at least for my generation, was, was in, in there, you know. I was speaking with someone recently who said it was extremely liberating when she realized not everybody needed to like her. Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's true. It's like, you know... And I feel like the more senior you get in your in your life, the more those moments really happen. You have mm -hmm. to let somebody go. You have to have a, a difficult or courageous conversation. Um, sometimes people won't like your point of view, and you know. And then as you become the boss, you know, there even more of that happens, and um, it hurts. You know, yeah. it does. It really does hurt, even after you've done it for so long. Um, but at the end of the day, you get a little bit more um, circumspect about it, right? And um, and and my my feeling is is that no, not everyone is gonna gonna like you, but you should like what you're doing. You should believe in what you're doing, and you should always bring kindness and um, and ethics and and all that to to bear. And then you know you're not making a decision that is built around something that is unfair or insensitive. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so then people can maybe not like your point of view, but you know, the way you handled something can be very kind. That's a nice, that's a good distinction because you know? that's not the same thing. They don't have yeah. to like your point of view, Yes, but you were fair about it. Yes, exactly. So you're talking about things like intuition and mm -hmm. being fair. And, and one thing about you that I think is so amazing is that you're very tied into you hear yourself. Yeah. You listen to yourself and you hear yourself. And you went on this crazy, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say crazy. I don't mean like disrespectful crazy, but crazy. You went on a very intense vision quest. I did. I did. And I'd love if you just talk about that a yeah, little bit. I did. I think that um, one of the things that I most value is being able to hear myself because I find it to be harder and harder all the time with, you know, your cell phone attached to your <laughs> your hand yeah. and so much input going on and this pace of business is faster than ever. And, um, and when you really can get away and have some perspective, then I think you make better decisions and you can see more that kind of eagle view over what's, what's happening. Um, so several years ago, I began studying with a Native American um, medicine woman, and um, she she was trained, you know, brought up through the Cree Indian Native American uh, lineage in the United States, and um, she taught me a lot about um, Native American principles. I went through lots of training, you know, lots of lots of sweat lodges and and the like. Um, and kind of got in touch with my cycle, my my rhythms, and how it related to the natural rhythms of the earth, et cetera. Um, and and 
the culmination of that was to go on a vision quest, which is really where, I mean, this is, this is going to sound slightly extreme, <laughs> Hardcore. So buckle up. Um, but um, you, you go out into the woods uh, for four and a half days with no food and water, um, and you stay in a tent and you don't leave an area about the size of the area that we're in now. Um, and you can't bring a book and you can't bring a journal and there's nothing for you to do except sit with yourself. And it was super intense. It was super intense. At one point, I will tell you, it rained and the rain gathered on the top of my tent and I almost licked my tent. <laughs> well, would like, you be allowed to do that? You can't bring no. water, but you can't, you also cannot ingest yeah, water. You cannot ingest water. Um, but it's, it's very interesting what happens in that time because, you know, at first I slept for what seemed like, you know, 18 hours straight. Or so, but you have no watch, so you don't know exactly how long, but it just felt like forever. And, and you're like, this is actually great. I haven't had any time alone. I'm going to really enjoy this. And then you get kind of scared. Oh my God, I'm out here by myself. You start, your heart starts to race and you hear every sound and who's that? Is somebody coming? You know, and you get kind of paranoid. And then, you know, you're just looking for things to do. You sing every song, every lyric of every song from when you were four. You know, like anything you can think of, reenacting scenes from plays you were in. Um, and then you start to go through the file cabinet of all these situations of your life, you know, things that bothered you from way back when. And that is the moment where you start throwing things away. Mm -hmm. It's like, why do I even care about that? Who, why is that even in there? And all of a sudden you become very uncluttered. And in that moment of being uncluttered, new things come in. And you start to see yourself in a different way and you start to see the world in a different way it's really fascinating it's it's the Marie Kondo it version of, of your, your brain, brain. <laughs> does this give me pleasure no it does not out uh, out joy out yeah. no joy. and I think there are lots of ways people access this feeling that are not necessarily as severe you know there are people who go on like meditation retreats or even just a daily meditative practice um, times where your brain is sort of detached from reality, you know what I mean? That's what meditation kind of does for you. Um, so it, some people do a vipassana, you know, like a silent, a silent retreats and things like that. And I know it's very common in Silicon Valley to to do things like this. And I think it is a sign of the the overwhelming inputs we all have mm -hmm. and the desire to regain what is innate and true to you in a way that you can achieve it. Is there something that you do want? So if someone maybe yeah. is not ready to be yeah. going into the woods for four days, but, yeah. but still, I mean, what you're saying, throwing away things, making room for other things, yeah. maybe not scrolling through Instagram or binge yeah. watching Netflix all of your free yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, not saying. <laughs> no judgment. Just like whatever. <laughs> you do exactly. that. I don't know. But are, is there anything that that you do, do it now that somebody else could could try. I think um, one of the, it is a kind of a Marie Kondo thing, to be honest. It's like um, one of the things that we had to do with the Native American tradition is to actually completely clean out one area of your home or your desk. Like just lock yourself in a room and clean everything out. Take everything out, even give it a fresh coat of paint, and then only bring back in the things that, that really matter to the space. That is a small thing that relates to a bigger thing in your mind. It's, it's the figurative cleaning a house of mm -hmm. your mind. So um, it does bring in new, again, that's an opportunity to bring in new ways of thinking, new pathways. So it can be anything from cleaning out your desk drawers 
or um, finally just doing all your timesheets that you've been like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just like sometimes just plowing through something that mm-hmm. has been an annoyance for you. I, uh, I should do that. I really should do that. I should file all those baby pictures that I have stacked up everywhere and I should make albums. That's, that happens to be mine. I have photographs of my children that are not categorized. It's like, oh, I should do that. I should be doing that. Um, but those things, I think, are ways in which the 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 energy flows again. That's a stuck piece. Mm-hmm. Both my kids are in college, by the way, and yeah. I decided I still haven't done that. That I just threw out. Yeah, it's exactly. Not happening. You know what I not threw out? The, the expectation. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if yeah. they want to see themselves, I'll give them a, exactly. you know, like a thumb drive. <laughs> no. Knock yourself out. Your kids. Yeah. These are the best years. <laughs> so true. Sign of the time. So I'd like to just sort of end on the note of, is there one piece of advice that you could share with us that has helped guide you through your life and your career? That has gotten you to where you are today. Yeah, there are two things actually. If you, if I can indulge. Oh please. <laughs> um, the first thing is the proverb, "If not you, who?" Um, I think that's a Jewish. I think that's Rabbi Hillel, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> if not me, who? Or anyway, if not you, who? But the 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 thing is, is that I think sometimes it's easy to psych yourself out that other people have something you don't have, you know, or you know. Um, I couldn't do that, but they could do that. Um, but why? You know, um, sometimes Jamie and I look at each other in the stress of business and we say, you know, other people who didn't have as much as we have have done this. It's, it, you know, mm-hmm. and just reminding yourself that you do have what it takes. You do, it, you know. Um, and then the second thing is something that my dad used to say to me, which is chin up, buttercup. Um, and that always reminds me about endurance and resilience because. Nothing is easy. It's always getting back up. It's like you fell down, you get back up, mm-hmm. just over and over and over again. And that's the way you actually make it. Yeah, you just get back up. And so, you know, yeah, the punches are going to come. They come. That's life, right? So then you have to go. Okay, all right, here I am again. <laughs> still got it. You know, still moving forward. Well, you are moving forward in so many amazing ways. Thank you. Thank you for talking with us. Oh, thanks for having me. It was so much fun. (laughs) And thank you.